Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Have you ever heard somebody um, say that, you know, when talking about someone usually that they dislike or something that they think that, oh, that person thinks that Christ's gift to the world, you know, and it's almost always said in a negative way, right? But um, what I hope to share with you today is that we actually are God's gift to the world. And not us, of course, but what Christ has brought, what Christ has done in us, is God's gift to the world, right? So in um, Matthew five thirteen to 16, Jesus said, You are the uh, salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give it light, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we know that this is what God wants for us. Right? He came down to bring light to the world, and then he's given it to us. In um, John, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But here in Matthew, he's saying, you are the light on the light of the world. And we know that the devil will do whatever he can to prevent us from being the light of the world. Um, I'd like to have a look at Matthew 4, where Jesus goes through uh, the temptations that the devil brings against him, because he's trying to prevent Jesus from bringing what he wanted to bring. So Matthew 4 verse 1 says, Jesus was led by Satan into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I particularly like this verse. It's a, I like understatement, right? How, you know, you broke your leg. How old hurts a bit, you know? But um, yeah, 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. I fasted a couple of days, I was hungry. Um, the tempter came to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So I used to read this passage and think, yeah, you know, Jesus was hungry. The devil said, make some bread. And Jesus said, no, we don't live by bread alone. And it didn't quite carry much impact. Um, so I went, sort of had a look at some of the backstory. I don't know if you've ever had a friend who, um, you go and you meet someone that they've known for a long time, right? And they get together and they start talking and they start sharing jokes that you've never heard. And they start referencing things that happened that you've never heard. And the conversation might not even make sense to you. My poor wife copped this a lot. I come from a family with seven kids and, um, we watched a couple of movies a lot. So not a lot of movies, but these ones. So movies like The Princess Bride, I could quote 
verbatim, beginning to end, without missing an inflection on a single word. That's not a brag, that's a fact. You're willing to test, I'm willing to have you test me on any part of it. But it means that if... So the rest of our family, we all know it quite well also. And if I were to quote a line from it, they know everything that happened before and everything that happened after. Um, there's a couple of other things that we also know sort of that well. So Christy comes in and we're having these conversations. And with seven kids, there's a lot of conversations happening around, right? So you actually will hear something and be involved in that conversation and in that one maybe at the same time and switch between conversations or have two conversations with one person and then switch. Anyway, it's frustrating if you're trying to play along because you're hearing all of these lines that are half-finished sentences and unfinished thoughts. And you go, that doesn't make any sense. Neither does that thought go with this one. Anyway. It's important that we read the Bible understanding all the context behind it because otherwise we might go, well, Jesus was hungry and he said, well, we don't live by bread alone. Okay. So um, if we have a look at the backstory of what Jesus quoted. So Jesus quoted um, from Deuteronomy 1. And it says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter the prom uh, and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. So this is Moses talking to the children of Israel. Um, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil's first attack was on Jesus' identity as the Son of God. Um, he said to him, if you're the Son of God, you provide for yourself. And Jesus said, by quoting this, he said, I am the Son of God, and my identity is in God's my provider. So it wasn't just, I want bread for being hungry. He goes, I'm not going to provide for myself. I'm going to have God provide for me, because that's who I am. So instead of pride in, I'm the son of God, it was humility in, I belong to God. So our identity also needs to be humble and grounded in um, where we are as people, completely dependent on God to provide what we need. And as we learn to rely on God for all we need, um, we move more fully into what he's able to do through us. So unless we're reliant on God, he's not going to be able to flow through us and do what he wants to do. Um, the second temptation was the devil questioning Jesus' right standing and relationship with God, whether or not God was actually with him. So the devil took him to the top of the temple, which was the dwelling place for the presence of God. And he quoted Psalm 91.11, which was written by Moses, where he says, If you say, The Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. So the devil's actually tempting him with scripture. Look, God said this, you know, if you love him, if you're actually in right standing with him, he's going to protect you. Um, and, of course, the devil twists scripture and misquotes things a little. And Jesus replied um, by another passage, also written by Moses in Deuteronomy 6, that says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, the devil understood this wasn't just, oh, don't 
test the Lord. He understood the whole backstory here. Um, and this one is, I found really exciting as I sort of read back into it. Because the last part of that verse says, as you did at uh, Massa. So the backstory that he quoted, Massa was where in Exodus 17, the Israelites complained to Moses that they were going to die of thirst. So they're out in the wilderness. God's done all of these things. Oh, we're going to die of thirst. And God told Moses to take with him the staff with which you struck the Nile. Um, that was the same staff that turned into a serpent and ate the magician's staff. It was also the same staff that he parted the Red Sea, an enormous miracle, right? And we look at that, but he said, no, the staff that you struck the Nile with, the staff he struck the Nile with was the one, you know, when he struck the Nile, that was the first uh, miracle that he performed for the Egyptians. The Nile was their source of life. And when he struck it with his staff, that life became death to them. Everything that was in the river died. So now what they loved, they even worshipped the Nile. They had a god, I can't remember the name of it, who they worshipped because this was their source of life. There was silt in the uh, river that flowed down through Egypt and made their crops huge, so they were very wealthy. So this was actually striking at one of the core things that they believed. God said, take this staff with which you struck the Nile, strike the rock, completely dry rock, and out of it will flow life for the Israelites. So what was death to the Egyptians and what destroyed their life was life to us. So the devil questioning whether God... Um, sorry, the reference that Jesus quoted also has um, where the Israelites said, is the Lord among us or not? So this whole section is um, Jesus. He didn't just say, don't put the Lord your God to the test. He said, you know devil knows a history, right? not the future, but he knows the history. He knew all of this Bible. And when Jesus referenced this, he didn't need to tell the whole story because he'd already seen the movie. He already knew everything that happened in it, right? Um, so Jesus is saying, I know God is in right standing with me and I'm not going to do what the Israelites did. So often when we're moving with God uh, in what God has for us, the devil comes against us with the same sort of temptation and he says um, is God really with you is God really in this is God really doing this um, and Jesus answer gives us a clue of what our answer is and we go hang on I've got the Bible let me give you the backstory of what God says like in Jeremiah 29 for I know the plans I have towards you says the Lord plans to preserve you and to, and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future so now we've got this is what the Bible actually says. We can go to 1 John 4, greater is he than is, that is in me than he that is in the world. Or Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So this temptation that the devil said, well, is, is this really God's will? Is he really doing? Hang on, we've got all of this. We've got promises from God, irrefutable. So the third temptation that Jesus faced was a little bit more direct. Um, the devil, I believe, would have known that Jesus was coming to save the world, right? So when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave to the devil what he wanted. He wanted the world, and they gave him the keys. They brought sin into the world, and they moved themselves under the curse of sin and of death. So in this temptation, the devil offered to give Jesus what he'd actually come for. So Jesus was there to save the world. He's there to actually have the kingdoms of the world. The devil brought him up to a place where he could see them all and offered them to him because they were rightfully the devils because we'd given them over to him. Um, 
he's tempting Jesus to take the easy way out because we know what, and Jesus knew what he was going to have to go through, what he was going to have to suffer. And he goes, I can actually give you what you're here for and skip all the hard bits. And Jesus, of course, replies with Deuteronomy 6, where Moses is talking about the laws God's given us. And the first two of the Ten Commandments say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and have no other gods before me. So he's referencing, you know, the devil's being very direct. I'll give you what you came for. He says, God said this, right? And the devil asked for what he always wanted right from the beginning. When he was cast out of heaven, it was because he was trying to draw worship to himself. So what he really wanted was to be worshipped. He got, tried to get the Son of God to worship him, and that's what he's trying to do to us as well. He wants to have our worship if he can get it in any way possible, and he'll often even offer to give us what God has for us. But if we jump ahead and do what God has for us, we don't get to build the character that makes us strong enough to hold it. So although it most, might be the most difficult temptation that the devil can bring against us, um, it can also be the most straightforward to resist because Jesus said plainly, away from me, devil, I worship God, right? And that's all we have to do. The way that we combat darkness is light. And when we do what we were created to do, which is carry God's light, which is worship God, which is reflect his personality back to him, then we worship God and the devil is gone, right? And it was at that point when he said, no, I'm worshiping God, the devil gone, bleed. So we want to live our lives here on earth, understanding that this is our mission. Our mission is to worship God. It is to bring his light into the world. It's to share the gift that he gave us. The devil was obviously trying to, with all of these temptations, each one was an attack to try and prevent Jesus bringing the light to the world. But he resisted them and he showed us how we can too. If you haven't heard um, Ben Aiken's message from August, he talked about um, reaching the nations when that was our theme. Um, and I won't reiterate all of it. I really recommend you go listen to it on the podcast. But um, he brought a couple of points in here. From John 15, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I have chosen you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we know that a way that we can witness to people is to meet their needs. So in Acts 8, when Paul was still called Saul, he was persecuting the church um, and the Christians, and Philip fled to Samaria and started teaching. I actually like this because while he was still Saul, he went and persecuted the church in Jerusalem and started throwing them in prison. But he spread the gospel very wide because they all just ran out all different places and started witnessing where they were. So even before God arrested him on the road to Damascus, he went about God's work here, <laughs> spreading the church. Um, so Philip fled to Samaria and started meeting the needs of the people there. He started casting out demons, healing a stick, and um, basically started a revival in Samaria, who, as Ben was mentioning, was basically the enemy of the Jews. We don't have anything to do with them. Well, he was stuck there, so he just shone the light of God. He met the people's needs, and that's what we're going to be asked to do. Um, I heard this story a while ago. I couldn't find out if it was true or where it came from, so I'll tell you the story. Um, 
maybe it's made up, but it serves well to carry this point. Um, here's a made up story. A professor had a group of students um, in to do their final essay in a philosophy class, and the question on the chalkboard was define courage. So there were various philosophical arguments that they all knew and some were written up on the board with examples of how they could approach this essay. Um, they were given two hours to complete the essay and the mark would count towards 40% of their final grade. So most of the class stressed out, you know, two hours to write such a big essay. Um, madly started writing down. One student sat down for about five minutes and thought, not writing anything down, wrote down a few things, folded his paper, handed it in, walked out of the class. So after five or six minutes, he's gone, and that's the end of his final essay. So the, um, the professor was surprised, and he unfolds the page and reads what this kid had written, and it simply said, this is. So his answer to what is courage, this is. Walking out my final essay, Instead of writing down, here's what I think is courage, he goes, I'll show you, and walks out. He actually lived it. And I wonder, when people ask, who is Christ, can we just go, this is, right? Do we walk around in the world? Do we live our lives in a way that says, let me show you Christ? So let's have a look again at Matthew 5.16. In the same way... Let your light shine before others so that may, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So why do we need to live to let our light shine? This verse answers both um, what we need to do and why we need to do it so that people will see God and glorify him because of our good deeds. Um, William J. Toms famously said, Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some people will ever read. I think that that's stuck with me for a long time because we move through our lives maybe unaware of what we're doing and how we're acting and whether or not this is actually representing Christ. But he's saying, be careful how you live your life because that's Christ. When people say, oh, what's God? There's a Christian. That's what God is, right? And does our life actually portray the light that Jesus came to bring into the world to shine to everyone through us? Um, this week we're doing Love Week so that we can shine the love of God to the world that so desperately needs it, so that they'll see our good deeds and glorify God in heaven. So I'm going to steal from Cherie's verse here in Ephesians 2.10. We're God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as we move through our weeks, through our lives, doing all of the things that we need to do, are we doing what we need to do to shine God's light? Is our life going to continue to say, this is what God is? And do we go when the devil comes against us saying, um, are you really uh, who you say you are? Are you really a child of God? Can we go, yeah, let me show you. Or when he says, is what you're doing really what God is saying for you to do? Can we go, yeah, let me show you. Because as we resist these temptations, God's light grows in us, and that's his mission to the world, right? He came to bring light to the world. Um, as we drive around, you know, Christmas time, we're celebrating that Jesus came to the world, and we're always decorating with lots and lots of lights, which I really like. I'm not sure how it started. I'm not sure if you could find out. But um, it always reminds me 
we keep on shining lots of light everywhere. All these colors, all of the different types of Christmas lights that you can get. And that reminds me, this is why Jesus came to the world. He came because he wanted to shine light. And all of the Christmas lights that we see around, here's Jesus, here's Jesus, he's shining, um, bringing light to the world all over the place. So let me just remind you of um, the devil's doing whatever he can to prevent us doing what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be light to the world. It's easy to resist him. We just do what Jesus showed us to do. Matthew uh, 5.16, again, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. Father, we thank you that um, you came to the world to glorify, to be glorified and to shine your light so that we could shine for you. Lord, we thank you that everything that you've done is pointing to God and to people's need for him. And we thank you that what you do in us is so that we can continue to grow, so that your light will grow in us, so that we can continue to shine for the world. Lord, we pray that as we move through our lives that we will continue to accurately reflect your glory to people, that we'll be able to shine in everything that we do so that as people look at us and say, oh, what, what is Christ, what is being a Christian, that we'll be able to boldly step forward and say, this is. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.